Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast, SB Nation's Chelsea blog, We Ain't Got No History's official podcast, the one and only. I'm your host, Jimmy Funnel, and as always, I am joined by my fellow co-host, Ram. Ram. Hi. International Hi break. Hi. Dull, isn't it? Yeah, pretty dull. <laughs> at, least, at least we've got an interesting guest to make up for it, though. Yes, an interesting no guest. Uh, he he is. Um, I'm pretty sure that most people who are part of the community will maybe have heard of him. Uh, and that's Rohan, the master of transfers, as some call him. Welcome to the podcast, Rohan. Uh, thanks a lot, Ram. Uh, master of podcast. Wow, that's a loaded name. I don't call myself master of transfers or anything. No, but it's weird to be on myself that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it's great to be on the Wagon podcast with you and Jimmy. I wanted to be here so long, but you know, college just kept me busy. But I'm glad that I finally got a chance to be on the podcast. Yes, sir. And we have got quite a few things to talk about. Uh, first and foremost, of course, we haven't covered the Crystal Palace game yet. Um, we took our time this week due to it being the international break. Uh, wasn't much going on anyway, and yeah, so it's been a while, a week to be precise. However, it was a win, a good win, and we want to talk about that. Uh, we will also, of course, be talking about transfers. Haha, uh, of course. Uh, especially as the CAS hearing has been set uh, to be in actually a few days. So we might get some news on that front. Uh, so it is worth talking about transfers, but before we do that, let's talk about the Crystal Palace game, as said. Um, Chelsea won. Some say it was a good performance, some say it was an average performance. What do you guys think? What were your thoughts, first thoughts at full time? Uh, let's start with our guest, Rohan. Okay, I uh, I think it was a pretty good win. I think we deserve more goals. Uh, I don't recollect anyone playing really bad game. Emerson was just coming from coming back from injury, and mm. he put, he put he put in a good shift. Kante put in a very good shift. Uh, Tammy mm. Abraham scored a goal. Pulisic scored a goal. Pulisic was Pulisic was my uh, man of the match that day. At least according to me, he played really well. He put in the shift. He was good in both attack and defense. I think Mount needs a rest, though. He has been playing a lot. And I thought that was a little subpar by his own standards. But it was a good win regardless. I thought we could have scored more, maybe four or five goals. But that's the way it is, I guess. I think that has been the story of our season. Um, being clinical hasn't always been our forte. But a win's a win, of course. And uh, one of the star performers in that game, once again, uh, was Reese James, who one really has to say he had Wilfred Zaha, one of arguably the most lethal or dangerous threats in the Premier League on the wing. He had them in his pocket, without a doubt. Um, that was certainly some a sight to behold, right, Ram? Yeah, I'm sure you enjoyed that, right? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Yeah, um, to have his first Premier League start on the opposite flank to someone like Wilfred Zaha, who can terrorize pretty much any fullback on his day, was quite quite a task. But 
for one thing, it's a show of faith that Lampard and Morris had in him. They are evidently very aware of his ability, which is huge. As, as we've all been saying for a long time, he's a very talented youngster. He's very well built. And yeah, it was... Uh, Zaha did, did have a few good moments throughout, I mean, probably in the second half, but I thought he was completely shut down in the first one, and he he became pretty petulant as well because he wasn't able to get any change out of Rhys James. And overall, I thought Rhys James had a really good game, and that was really great to see because... And it's also great to see that Lampard can make a decision, decision like telling the club captain Cesar Atpilicueta, someone who's played like every minute of our league campaigns for God knows how many years, that he's not playing and to put a youngster in it. I mean, I'm not sure we completely realize what an unprecedented thing we're witnessing at Chelsea here. But if for now, to just go with it, it's been pretty good. And I loved what I saw from Brees James. Uh, maybe he just had one shaky moment where he went on this really good Maisie run, but then he kind of overplayed it and then lost the ball, but someone was there to bail him out. Uh, but yeah, overall, things are looking really bright. Rhys James was great. Uh, Pulisic was also good. Good to see Danny Abraham score again. Uh, it was never really in doubt. If Abraham doesn't score for like three games, you hear, you hear, you hear people start saying, oh, geez, he's really got to score again. Yeah. And, you know, he might be having a goal round. I won't be convinced unless he scores in this match, blah, blah, blah. But the fact of the matter is, as long as you keep getting in the right positions, you will eventually score. And he does that. He does it every game. And he did it this time. So, easy pickings, really. And we, we were we were really dominant. Crystal Palace didn't really have anything noteworthy. <laughs> Nothing I can remember, to be honest. Maybe one header from a set-piece that's like kind of customary, but yeah, yeah, the Tomkins one, right? Yeah, the Tomkins second. Mm, yeah. yeah, that that was a close call. Uh, yeah, Palace have got that on target. That would have been a problem. That would have mm. been a problem, but that was the only thing. Just interesting how Crystal Palace had like three Premier League veterans and James Tomkins, uh, Kelly, and already replaced Joel Ward. Yeah, just yeah, random note. Anyway. Uh, we haven't spoken about something that we usually do before getting to the game and things like that. So, Rohan, over to you. And, of course, we want to know when you started supporting Chelsea and how you started supporting Chelsea. Uh, Okay, so I will... My journey with Chelsea began around 2012. And at that time, I wasn't much into football. I was more into cricket. So I didn't know much about football. But uh, Chelsea was one of the few clubs that I knew about. Chelsea and Manchester United. Because I feel that at that moment, those two were the biggest clubs in India. As the Indian Indian, uh, audience supported. So at that uh, time, so at that time, uh, Chelsea had the Mazakar trio, Oscar, Hazard, Mata. We had a good trio, and that was really pleasing to watch. Uh, I thought that was really pleasing to watch. They, we played well. We won against a lot of teams. 
and I always thought supporting United was kind of cliche, like everyone did it. So I wanted to support Chelsea. I saw the team. I liked the team. We had a we had some good managers back then, Carlo Ancelotti. Carlo Ancelotti. Then after Ancelotti was sacked, we had Roberto Di Matteo, who actually won the Champions League. We were uh, D. We were. I think uh, we, there has never been uh, as big an underdog as we were in that Champions League final. I think in the history of finals the biggest underdog we were playing in Bayern's backyard they had one of the best teams at that moment uh, that the uh, Heinz team and they were pretty much unbeatable and yet we beat them even if it went to penalties the moment Drogba rose up and scored the header that was the moment I knew that I had to support Chelsea forever because this club this club is something else like so I think uh, though so my journey would start from around 2012-2013 and it has continued till now. Masterfully leaving out Andrew Villas-Boas there. I like that. Um, <laughs> that never happened. I always like hearing these stories uh, because we read these names and the Daily Hilario or Match Threads or whatever. Any post uh, wagon and course can't really put a face on them but at least you can hear these stories and I, I really I really do enjoy that a lot um but coming back to the footballing side of this podcast uh we were talking about uh Crystal Pat the Palace game the Crystal Palace game uh Wilfred Zaha's um failure against a very very dominant Reese James I just had to define it as such um and i think what's also worth mentioning is and i know we have spoken about this quite a few times recently but is christian pulisic because i agree with um rohan that he was our best player for me he was man of the match i mean i know a lot of people also said william who had a very good game himself i mean that that assist for Tammy Abraham was exquisite. You know, I, I get on his back a lot, but he's been doing very well recently, and that game was no exception. Yeah, uh, what 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 do you guys make of Christian Pulisic? Because for me, I said man of the match. Um, what a terrific goal! Um, that's how you do them, right? Ram. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, I've I've really loved how Pulisic has come to grow into the absolute strides he's making now, because you can you can see the confidence with which he's playing, can't you? Like he is, it's it's almost as if he was a, I mean, he he was a shadow of what he is now when he was making his first couple of starts for Chelsea in the league against Sheffield United and the likes because he just he just looked pretty pretty bereft of confidence he didn't look in the best I mean I don't know he just he just didn't have a spring in a step maybe he wasn't fully integrated with the group maybe he was still settling into things in England even though it had been like a month three months or so but when you've lived in one place for so long then it can be quite a change and we have to factor in all of that and the fact that he didn't get a break um, of his own volition, but 
it's a thing, right? He didn't get a break. So I absolutely stand by the way Lampard managed his situation. He played it smartly. He didn't listen to any of that, <laughs> any of that nonsense. Any media was spewing or any sort of fan base. But yeah, now now we're really reaping the rewards. Like Pulisic is absolutely elite at receiving the ball in the penalty area and retaining possession there. That's what that's what has really really caught my eye about him. And he's he's even better in the air than anyone would expect without having watched him much before. And he's he's doing the business. He's scoring. He's assisting. He's scored more than he's ever scored in a season at Dortmund, if I'm not wrong. So. Yeah, it's just you love to see, don't you? And and now we have Willian who's performing well. We have Pulisic who's getting to the top of his game, surely. And we have Hudson Odoi who suddenly a fire has been lit under his feet now that Pulisic is playing the way he is and Willian is basically playing for a contract and also a like vice vice captain or whatever. So yeah, Hudson Adoy has got to up his game the next time he plays, and that's always great because nothing better than a hungry player, right? So, again, that's another thing that's working out for everyone, and I'll love to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting thing you mentioned there with William playing for a contract. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if he... I mean, of course, he will be playing for a contract, but just generally speaking, I know he wants to stay, he said that, and I think Chelsea's very reluctant to give him those two years because of the whole David Luiz situation that... Exactly, I mean... Uh, I mean, uh, But listen, do you really you're... think he's playing for that then? Because, I don't know, I think he's just taken up the baton after Hazard's left. He always was the kind of guy who loves to be in the limelight. And... Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think he's just doing his thing, basically, because he likes being the center of attention. Uh, not a bad thing in this context. You know, I'm not criticizing him for that. Uh, I just think he's just doing his thing, and I'm not quite sure if he's playing for Compton, but maybe play is always doing so. Just Sorry, I, I just mean, wanted to add that. No, f- fair enough, but imagine if he had a similar season as he did maybe last season. I, I know that Hazard isn't there to become the sole dependent, I mean, to be a dependence for our team in, in, in terms of, you know, just giving it to Hazard and letting him do everything. It's good that that isn't the case now, but imagine if Willian hadn't upped his game. I mean, he could very easily be losing his position because Lampard could easily be, we could be at a point where Lampard was starting Hudson Adoy and Pulisic and Willian became like third choice. In such a situation, would the club really want to give him like two years or would they want to extend his contract? Would he want to stay? I mean, I think all those are definitely factors and somewhere they must be motivating him to play the way he is now because he, I mean, he has his off moments, so to speak, but this is the best I've seen him play in a while, you know, and I don't. I don't think it's a complete coincidence that it's also the time where he's supposed to be signing a new deal. So whether it's here or or anywhere for that matter, imagine if we didn't offer him a contract. Like, if if Barcelona, someone was still to believe that he's any good, he, they would they would be watching him this season and they'd be convinced that yeah, he could probably do a job for us for maybe one year or something. So 
it's it's always i think it's always a factor i mean i i get what you're saying but i think i think that when a player has a few months to go on his contract and you know nothing is set in stone he's always going to oh. up his game a bit i don't know if you agree rohan what are your thoughts on that so uh, i think william spring pretty well right now and uh, one of the main factors why he's playing well uh, i believe was due to hazard's departure to real so right now he has the number 10 shirt he's one of the senior members of the team one of the major figures of the dressing room and i think he uh, when when we are attacking the final third i think he is one of the uh, he's the major creative outlet with hazard departure with uh, guys like Mason Mount, Christian Pulisic, Tammy Abraham all staying near the goal to receive these balls to score. So I think that is one factor and like uh, Ram said his contracts expiring so that's one factor as well. And from what I've heard Chelsea are still reluctant to give him the two years that he wants and they are at an impasse right impasse right now over whether uh, William should get the two year contract or whether he should not. But we also have to factor in that Uh, uh after this season he'll be uh, one of the few remaining uh, senior players in the team him aspilicueta maybe willy caballero because uh, pedro and giru most are most likely to to leave so you have to take that into account as well like uh, i know we have a youth revolution going on but you still need some senior members in the team so i think uh, it's more likely than not than william will get a new contract at the end of the season and especially if he keeps playing like this so that's my view on the subject Mm. Okay, then well, that was quite more or less a mixture, I'd say. Um, yeah, okay. And I mean that position because we haven't been seeing Pedro for quite a while. We didn't see him against Palace. I don't think it was even on the bench, if I recall correctly. Um, it does look as if he will be one of those who will be joining Olivier Giroud. uh in leaving as soon as january if that transfer ban is overturned i can't imagine that will be selling that many players if that ban remains intact that'll be madness so it might happen um but you know the thing is a right winger would then be necessary because whether or not we give william a new contract the fact of the matter remains the same namely that william is the wrong side of 30 he is aging he has been in decline i know he's playing very well at the moment but uh, he could easily slip into that uh, patchy form once more due to age factors you never know you know um as such i think right wing is one of the key areas where we need to reinforce and Wilfred Zaha has been one of those that have been named. Uh, I mean after that game against us on Saturday I think many people will say oh no we don't want him. I still think he's got a lot of potential um age-wise he's a bit more of a senior player we could even say nowadays. He seems to have been around for what feels like ages but he is only 27 so he's in his prime. Um maybe Palace would budge a bit on their price tag. You never know, dependent on whether we'd include a player or loan a player. Who knows? Um, Rohan, what 
what options do we have at right wing if Pedro were to leave in in January? I mean, as said, transfer rumours are your forte. What 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 have we been hearing here? And he has another question to go with that. Do we really uh, need to replace him if he goes in January? So, I'd like yeah, to hear your thoughts on that. Valid question, yeah. Uh, I think uh, we need four wingers for the two spots. Uh, whether like I know Pedro doesn't get a lot of game time. He's not even on the bench most of the most of these days. But uh, let's say there's one injury and uh, we'd really be in trouble. So I think we need four wingers, even if the four winger is not such an established name. So from what I've been hearing, Pedro uh, is being courted by Fenerbahce in Turkey. And as uh, we all know, Victor Moses is one of our players at Fenerbahce and Fenerbahce are looking to cut his loan deal short. So I don't know if uh, those two are related, but uh, I think it's an interesting hypothesis that uh, they might return us Moses for, let's say, six months before we decide to send him or before he decides to move on and take Pedro in return. So that is one option. Other than that, we have been linked to a couple of players. We have been linked to uh, Wilfried Jaha, like you said, most notably. Uh, uh, we have been linked to Jaden Sancho, but I think that's still pretty far off and it won't happen in January, maybe in the summer. And it's still mm. pretty difficult. Manchester United want him. Uh, Manchester City might want him back. Liverpool might want him. So I think it's difficult, but uh, there's still a chance we might get him. Like with our whole youth movement, he has a lot of... Friends at Chelsea, uh, we have Caleb Hudson-Odoi, we have Tammy Abraham, we have Mason Mount, all of them are close to Jaden Sangso. Uh, and we have been linked to a lot of players in the past, Leon Bailey, but I think that interest has gone away. He hasn't been performing yeah. as well as he uh, should have. Uh, David Neres, he has also been a bit under par, even though he played uh, somewhat decent in the Stamford Bridge match, Stamford Bridge match uh, with Ajax. With uh, I think there's a player who might come into contention. Uh, he hasn't been playing as well as it should have. Uh, Sengis Under of Roma. But uh, he he's involved a lot in the build-up. He's involved with gameplay, even if he doesn't have a lot of goals or assists to show for it. So I think, uh, if I were to guess, I think uh, Zaha, Sancho, and Under would be our most, uh, would be our three targets for the right-wing position next season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although... I, I must say, we're saying it's all under. I don't remember any recent links with him, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's more of being in the past. And also, his numbers are very, very poor. I mean, I know uh, Pulisic's uh, numbers weren't uh, fantastic before he came to to Chelsea. Uh, like, you know, I think it was over 100 games. He had like 15 goals, which isn't, you know the best kind of stat but um still i i think we need someone who's prolific and jane sancho can be that i think in the game against uh montenegro if i'm not mistaken it was where england played uh they actually linked up as well so tammy abraham was provided the assist by jane sancho and sancho does have a knack of scoring that for me personally is why he has to be the first name on the list when looking for a replacement at, at right wing. Regarding your question, Ram, whether we need one already in January, that's a very good one. I think I have to agree, though, with Rohan that we need those four because it's been the story of our season that 
injuries have constant been been plaguing our squad. So it will be a very Chelsea-esque uh, situation if we sell Pedro or loan him to Fenerbahce or whatever, and then say Can Hudson Doy or Christian Pulisic get injured and they're out for a month or two, and we are once again in a bit of a tough spot. So I think four are necessary in the long mm. term. Don't, don't, don't you think? Or do you really think we could do this with three, you know, four competitions? No, not four. Oh, sorry. Three competitions uh, we, that we could still contend in three conti- competitions with three wingers. If you I really need to get a fourth choice winger, just buy like Said Ben Rama from Brentford or something like that. Uh, <laughs> that was so expected of who? But who? it makes, no, but it makes sense. It, he, we, were, we were linked to him like one year ago when he hadn't even broken out properly in that league, and now he's broken out and he's a proper 25 million player. And the type of player you'd want if you really need a fourth choice winger, like he's it's kind of like a budget Riyad Mahrez, but probably he'd still be pretty good because if you're if you're bringing, in, if you're gonna spend like fifty million on Chengiz under or forty million or whatever it is, the, it's just it, it, it's difficult keeping four really prominent wingers happy in the same squad if you're not gonna keep rotating. And I have a feeling Lampard won't keep rotating for the sake of it. If someone is doing well, he's gonna leave them on the side. If they're doing well in training, he's gonna leave them on the side. It's it's not like where our manager is like, yeah, Ranieri didn't rotate the entire season. They won the league. And I, I don't know. It's, it's not like he's uh, Graham Porter or something who, who's just going to keep changing up the side every week depending well, on we the did. tactical setup or, you know, anything like that. So mm. if if you need a four-choice winger, either get someone like experienced who's going to be there for the short term or get someone kind of low-key. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to make a huge investment on that. On, on someone young or something like that, if you're not going to be able to give them priority over the already young wingers that we have. You see what I'm saying? Yes, but that's where the factor of William also being already 32 years old, if I'm not mistaken, or is he 31? I'm not sure. But already over 30 and in these contract talks where it would make sense because... And that's why and sooner rather than later he will be replaced, and that's why already acquiring someone of Jaden Sancho's ilk, of course, maybe not in January, but exactly be because that that can't happen in January, can it? So that's why it's best to wait until the summer. And well, I don't, I think, either either no. you give why? I mean, no, no, I mean, well, I don't know whether he wouldn't be acqui- uh, acquirable in in January because if you hear what's been happening with Jaden Sancho at Dortmund recently. It's not very rosy. <laughs> oh, dude, he's I mean, 19 years old. Like Everyone is going to have a sophomore slump. And no, no, I'm not talking about a slump form-wise. I'm talking about disciplinary issues. Uh, what discipline issues? Yeah. Is he oh, he was... He, he didn't turn up to training once. He was fine for that. Uh, he was omitted from a squad for a game. I'm not sure which game that was anymore. Um, he was subbed against Bayern after 36 minutes, and I, I personally thought he didn't have. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't to blame for 
what the hell was happening in that game with Dortmund, uh, at least not solely. So I think there's been a bit of a clinch with the, the, with the uh, hierarchy there. And as I know, Lucien Favre is the kind of guy, if you have a problem with him or if he doesn't like you, then you're going to feel it. Okay, but did you did you see the report that said that Dortmund want 140 million for him? I did, I did, yes. But you know, we have a transfer kitty, or as we've become accustomed to refer to it, our war chest. You'd think after not spending for quite a while, and you know the Eden Hazard money uh, and so on. Who says that they can't play that in January? Because he'll be costing the same at least in in the summer. Why not buy Jane Sancho or try and get him already in January? Well, not happy with him at Dortmund as it is, then maybe they were would be willing to sell him if he's going to continue having these discipline issues. And Dortmund is notorious for, you know, not liking that at all. Vatska and Zork are very harsh when it comes to that kind of behavior. You never know. I don't know. I feel as I feel as if just bringing, making a big high-profile signing in January could kind of disrupt the whole thing we have going with the squad at this moment. Because you really need to get Callum Hudson-Odoi up to speed first, don't you? Before, I mean, if you're going to bring in someone else who's going sense. to who's going to want to start every game as soon as he comes in, and you're doing it as soon as January, you're not. I mean, it it. There's potential for it to be disruptive and for it to kind of... Uh, you, you've just spent all this time negotiating a contract for Callum Hudson-Odoi. And then if you go and bring in Jaden Sancho to replace someone who doesn't make the bench in half the games, that just... It, it, I, I, get the, I get the... Obviously, we should sign someone like Jaden Sancho, but in, if it's a question of timing, then January probably isn't the best timing. Okay, no, I, I understand uh, that. But have... what, what is if he actually get becomes available there? Wouldn't Chelsea have to get involved? They they could probably sign him the same way they signed Pulisic. Mm. Well, I don't think if they want to get rid of him in January, then I highly doubt that they'd want him back. But yeah, okay, sorry, Rohan. Yes, uh, I think I have to agree with Ram here. Uh, signing Sancho in January or any big signing in January doesn't make a lot of sense to me since you are doing so well. I don't think we should look to change the squad much. Maybe let Giroud go because uh, it's no point giving three strikers when Tammy and uh, Tammy play so much and we already have Michi sitting on the bench most of the time. Uh, let uh, I would try to I would try to keep Pedro. Uh, if Pedro leaves, maybe we can use Victor Moses as cover for. Uh, the remaining remainder of the season, but uh, we need four wingers. We shouldn't risk. We shouldn't take a risk and rely on three wingers. If Pedro goes, maybe Victor Moses. But my preference would be to keep Pedro himself, and he can leave in the summer. He doesn't have the he's, he's he doesn't get selected in the Euros anyway, so I don't think he would uh, mind much staying at Chelsea and earning the remainder of his contract. So he doesn't he's, he he isn't clamoring after much game time. Uh, but yeah, if he leaves, we can always get back Victor Moses, and we also have Kennedy. But we should make try to make a statement signing in the summer, uh, simply because William is not getting any younger, and having three world-class young wingers would be a, a good boost to our title ambitions. Be the Champions League, be the Premier League, and yeah, I think if Lampard had better players at his disposal, maybe he would take more. 
and maybe you play him more like even Kalem hits in the door even if he doesn't start a lot of games he gets he comes off the bench a lot of times and he plays whenever uh, Lampard thinks that it's okay to play him and yeah Hudson is not doing bad as well so I think uh, we should try to get Sangso in the summer simply because Willian is getting old and we need a world-class team to compete with other world-class teams like Manchester City and Liverpool basically Sam Benrahma but but the same but the same thing applies there that if he were to become available in January then then Chelsea would have to pounce because I I, I understand that one doesn't disrupt the team but you know other teams are, have played very well in the past have added nevertheless to that squad and have won it more you know I don't think one should just because the team's working at the moment say oh we're gonna pass on this talented youngster who is freakishly becoming available because the system is working that is where you then despite us having made progress come to a standstill at some point when certain players because they are young get into a slump then you need other players to pull them out of the dirt so to speak and Pedro isn't the kind of player who will be doing that that's why I'm firmly of the belief that if he were to become available in January, Jaden Sancho speaking now, not Wilfred Zaha or anyone else, then I, I believe we have to buy him, even if it means we can't loan him back to Dortmund because reasons. So I, I, uh, yeah. I, just, I, just, I just think we, we, we'd be daft to pass on such an opportunity if these uh, issues of discipline continue to go on. Uh, yeah, I think if he becomes available in January, I think we should absolutely go for him. We can't pass on the chance because uh, losing him uh, to another team, let's say like Manchester United, would be more detrimental in the long term because uh, at that time we have to change our transfer strategy and we have to go up to Jaden Sengso if you are removed from the transfer ban. But yeah, uh, like the recent reports say that Dortmund would only be willing to sell in the summer. So I think that plays in our favor, both due to the fact that we shouldn't be looking to make too many changes during, the, during January. And secondly, we don't even know if you are going, if our ban is going to remove, get removed yeah. in January. So I think uh, Dortmund looking to sell in the summer would be a helping factor on our, uh, for us. So yeah. Well, to be fair, we can actually buy players in January. We just can't uh, register them. That has to be kept in mind here. So even if he were to become available and Dortmund would like a kind of Pulisic scenario, we could still buy him. You know, half a year is not a lot. Pulisic showed that. <laughs> and uh, if they are OK with being, him being loaned back so that he basically can concentrate on the football again instead of, you know, transfer issues, whatever then maybe maybe that will be okay with them. I, I don't think I can agree with Victor Moses coming back. Um, <laughs> he was great at wing-back uh, in that 13-game win, uh, win streak under Conte. After that, he be- gradually became less, more and more... I don't want to say average. Victor Moses was a good guy, and I thought he always did do his best at, at right-back and right-wing-back. But on the wing... He was great when we played uh, in the Europa League back in 2012, but ever since, he's been nowhere near as good as when he was playing further back. I don't know how he's been playing for Fenerbahce. No idea. I don't I don't uh, follow Turkish football. I know he scored he a goal sometime, but yeah. Huh? He hasn't been that good. Like That's why they want good. to cancel his Yeah. 
Yeah, so that why why would Chelsea want him then as a replacement? Because the thing with Pedro is, even though he has been incredibly inconsistent and frustrating to watch uh, at times, or most of the times when he's played this season, he's nevertheless the kind of player that if he's, you know, it's on his day and he's having a good day, he can score an absolute world D of a goal and win you the game, even at his age, because that's a player of his ilk, even though I still believe that he hasn't managed to acclimatise to his age and change his game. But that's a different topic entirely. Uh, but yeah, OK. Uh, sorry for yapping on about that there. Uh, ben Chilwell. Man of the match for England against uh, Montenegro. Someone maybe to give Emerson competition in the summer. What do you guys think? Mm, yeah, uh, I think I'm, uh, that would be a good signing. I would have said that yeah, it would be, he's too expensive last season, but he has been playing really well this season. Uh, he played well against Southampton, where they scored eight goals, if I remember correctly, eight or nine goals. Uh, he played well in England's match, so I think yeah, it should it should be a good signing. It would be pretty expensive, like it would be at least seventy million pounds, if not more. But that's the kind of uh, players. Uh, that's the kind of price that you have to pay for players who are English and who come from top clubs. And I think Leicester are a top club at this moment. They're contesting for the top four spot. They are almost as good as us, if not uh, better. So I think, yeah, getting Chile will be difficult, but I think it would be a good signing. But I'm not sure if it would be Emerson or Marcus Alonso he'd be competing with because uh, Emerson has some offers from other teams, uh, most notably Juventus, and he's still having second thoughts about signing a new contract. Uh, he's looking out for better offers. So yeah, I think uh, even though it's 60-40 in our favor that Emerson will sign a new contract and not go to Juventus or wherever, uh, but I think uh, if he moves, we might be looking at Chilwell and Marcus Alonso in the summer. Ram? Uh, I mean, I can't see Marcus Alonso staying past the summer, in all honesty. Um, oh no, he... Marcus Alonso isn't staying past the summer. He's... Uh... Yeah. Uh, um, I'd like to think that obviously he will be given a chance to work his place back into the squad, but one, with Reese James's emergence, and two, with Emerson being generally preferred to our style of play, I think that Aspiliqueta might become to be, might start oh, yeah. to become to be a viable option at left back because Lampard is definitely going to want to play Reese James if he's going to put in performances like this. And then it's going to be hard to leave out Cesar Aspeliqueta. So what do you do? You move him to left back because he, that that might actually be one of his best positions. So, yeah, Mark, who, who's getting rendered obsolete in this whole merry-go-round is Marcus Alonso. And he is probably going to leave in the summer. And if we bring, if we, if we bring Ben Chilwell in, he's going to be first choice. There's no doubt about it because... He's really good. It's, it's as simple as that, according to me. I, I, rate, <laughs> I rate Ben Chilwell very highly. He's killing it statistically as well, this season and last season. And he would probably be the perfect left-back sign we could make, plus he counts towards your homegrown quota and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I think he's he could probably be better than Emerson if he came to Chelsea and played in the same system. So, yeah, that, that would probably be a sticky situation overall for us with regards to 
what to do about Asper Liquida because these chains will probably be established by then. So, but anyway, that's that's not something we have to think about now. As far as the signing of Chilwell itself is concerned, it's a huge, huge upgrade on Alonso, and we'd be strengthening our squad significantly. And even even if Leicester won like sixty five million or something, he'd probably be worth it, considering you know the way things are and. Hey, look at the state of the economy now. So, yeah, yeah, that's very true, especially in regards to the transfer market. I mean, one thing that one could still address is will Leicester actually sell? You know, let's say they 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 finish above us, which I think is a possibility. You know, at some point we might uh, come into a slump. Brendan Rodgers is a good coach. Um, they have a pretty, pretty decent squad, which could actually come third, um, considering that all the other teams like Man United, Tottenham and Arsenal are struggling um, despite their possibilities. So why would they sell to us? Do they need the money? I, I can't see that, really. Um, yeah, they might not need the money. It depends on... Depends on what happens this season, doesn't it? I mean, if if Leicester are actually going to become an established top four side and they actually finish in the top four this season, that could change things. But if, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the same way that maybe uh, N'Golo Kante thought of switching clubs or Harry Maguire thought of switching clubs because Le- Leicester were on what seemed like a rise and things only really just got better for them in the long term as well after they won the league they they just keep kept going from strength to strength even though they've had been changing managers and stuff and now that now they're in a place where you know they're probably like one year away from pushing into actually being a top four side and what's the last team that has done that since Tottenham it's the fact that you haven't had concrete evidence of a team actually breaking into the top four. And that's the reason why players could still be swayed to, to leave that kind of club and join like a traditional club that is eventually going to reach, swing back to the equilibrium of being a top four club like Chelsea. I don't know if that's Man United still, because they still talk as if James Madison should be joining them as if they're entitled to it. But yeah, so what, what I, yeah, the, it, it is, isn't it? So what I'm trying to say is it depends on what happens this season, really. I think it's heavily dependent on that. If we, if both of us finish top four, even if it's like a third, fourth kind of thing, I think we still might get chill well because, well, because of Lampard and because we'll have a lot of money to spend and we might be strengthening significantly in the, in the summer. And as far as Leicester goes... I, I think that for now, that's the kind of club model they want to establish. They had Chilwell for basically nothing because he's an academy lad. They had Maguire for, again, basically nothing because they bought him from, from relegated Hull City when no one was really willing to take a gamble on how good he was. And all, all these players they've been buying. I mean, Leicester have been buying from the championship and generally being very low-key about their signings. They bought Iose Perez from Newcastle. I mean... That's pretty astute, isn't it? And they brought in Harvey Barnes, who was on loan, Hamza Chaudhry. Um, if you just look at their overall strategy, their model is somewhat like a Borussia Dortmund. They're, they're going to bring in players from sides that or targets that traditional top four clubs won't really look at. And if they have to sell, they will, but they make sure they get the right price. 
So I think Leicester will continue on that model for maybe one year, maybe another two years, and then they might really go for it. So that's it, it, you see examples like that in every sphere of the league, every sphere of football, like Brentford are doing it in the championship. Right now they're really going for the league now. They spent like 35 million in the summer. That's unprecedented for the championship league. So we might see Leicester doing that maybe two years later. But as far as this summer is concerned, if Chelsea cough up the right amount of money, I think that it shouldn't really be a problem as to convincing Chilwell to get here. Okay. Yeah, I well, think I have to uh, I have to agree with Ram here. Uh, he said about uh, players wanting to move to traditional powerhouses, regardless of recent results. I think that plays in our favor. In addition to that, we can probably offer him more money. So I think the final decision might come down to Chilwell himself. He might decide whether he wants to come to Chelsea or not. And I think we have a good chance of signing him. Uh, we might we can offer him more money. We can offer him the chance of winning more trophies. So yeah. And yeah, I have to agree with Ramon Leicester as well. They have a very good team. I think they are one of the most, uh, they were one, they were like in the summer, I thought the way they were building the team, I thought it was a very good strategy. They, they have good players in all the positions. You look at the team, you have Alfred, you have NDD at defensive midfield, James Madison, Harvey Barnes in front of him. You have Ayose Perez and Jamie Vardy, obviously, who is one of the best strikers in the Premier League. So, yeah, I think Leicester have a very good team. And even though they have a very good chance of finishing above us, I think we still have a good chance of signing Ben Children in the summer. Mm. Well, I mean, that would be the best kind of solution, I guess, because any top team, whether that be Man City or Barcelona or whomever, they have serious competition at, well, more or less every position, um, with the exception of maybe one or two and if you look at man city uh which should be uh the team one looks to emulate uh quality wise in the squad you know one can think of the spending and so on as much as you want but uh, you can talk about as much as you want but you know that that's the way to do it if you want to win consistently maybe not a champions league but you know still the league title and uh, domestic cups so having Ben Chilwell and Emerson, who I believe is our best left defender, uh, even though certain people think that Marcus Alonso is the best defender we have. I can't bloody believe that, but okay. Um, you know, one has, to, one has to think that those two would be quite a duo. And I don't think Emerson really is intent on leaving. I can't imagine that. I think he actually likes it in London. He's got Jorginho here, who he has a good relationship with, and generally also a few other Brazilians. Or, well, actually, a Brazilian brigade has been decimated, but still. Um, so I, I think he'd be up for the task. He hasn't shied from it uh, up until now. One hasn't really heard him complain or his agent complain, uh, not as much as I can remember, at least. And that's why I think those two will be great. They would... Um, lock up our left side or left back position uh, for the next five years at least. So that would be pretty decent. Um, yeah. I think one other position which we have to talk about, especially because uh, Ram is a Bournemouth supporter, um, is this rumour which just doesn't want to stop coming up and that's that we might actually think about rebuying 
or repurchasing uh, Nathan Aki because we have a buyback option, which is in excess of, I think, 40 mil. I think 40 million quid. Uh, so do we need Nathan Aki? Because I will say this, and I'd be interested to hear what you guys say here. I think that having a, a, a one of the defenders that we have now leave is going to happen. I think we need someone like Virgil van Dijk to come in, which will show up that defense. And one of them will be the odd one out. Uh, before we do continue with that, I uh, will just have a quick break. Welcome back. And actually on the, on the topic of Bournemouth, you know who would actually be a very good for choice winger? That would be Ryan Fraser. Ryan. Oh, God, not this again. Oh, I'm not kidding. You, you've seen the Liverpool rumours, haven't you? If he's, if he's good enough to be backup for them, he's good enough to be fourth choice for us. No, no, no kidding about that. So, just, yeah, that, that, was, that was an aside. But as far as Nathan Aki goes, yeah, he's obviously one of my favourite players ever for several intangible reasons. But yeah, I <laughs> I don't don't really think we need him now because as much as it breaks my cold heart to say that it's uh, do 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 we do we really need it because it's only worth bringing him back because I mean imagine bringing him back to be like backup or something that, that that's just like that's cruel. And he, he'd never agree to it in the first place. You can you can exercise a buyback, but then the player has to want to come back, right? It, you you need that two-way handshake. But yeah, it's just it's just straight up stupid to bring him back and let him be back up because you're messing with his career and you're basically wasting a lot of money. So mm. if he's not gonna come here to be first or second choice or even third, and I don't think he will because. But Zuma is playing well. If Kurzuma isn't playing well, Andreas Christensen is going to play well. Antonio Rudiger is going to play well if he isn't going to be injured all the time. Fikayo Tomori is going to be one of the best Premier League centre-backs in five years. And you have people coming through the academy like Mark Kurhi. You still don't know if Ethan Ampadu is going to be a centre-back. You still don't know what to do with players like Trevor Chaloba and it's just it's, bringing back Nathan Ake is just going to cause a bit of a logjam I'm afraid we need to sort out the options we have here at the moment because we have four very good options in the team at the moment and if if you're going to sell one of them in the summer or one of them wants to leave then you have to be smart about replacing them you have to be smart about if if the, if your fourth choice is leaving, you replace him with Mark Gohi. Or you replace him with someone who's going to be willing to take time into growing into the role. Or someone experienced who doesn't necessarily want or isn't necessarily going to you know bring the house down if he mm-hmm. isn't starting every game. So, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just wrong on both sides if you're going to bring Nathan Ake to play that role. And... I don't think he's going to be brought back to play the first or second choice role because we have we've got a good thing going on there. If you want to bring him to replace Kurzuma, fine, be my guest. But that's not going to happen, is it? So I say 
let him not come here. Let him rot in Bournemouth. No, let him eventually <laughs> go to um, Tottenham or something. <laughs> oh my God. Ugh. And then Real Madrid, obviously, because that's a pathway. So, yeah. That's, that's, my, that's my take on this whole thing. Rohan, what do you think about Nathan Ake? And I warn you, please choose your words carefully as your future in the forum may or may not depend on it. Uh, I think Nathan Ake is a good player. Uh, He's a good player. He's a good left-footed centre-back. And uh, the links that I've seen to the centre-back, the centre-back that we have been linked to in recent times, they tell me that uh, I drew drew the conclusion that we are looking at someone who is left-footed. Because, like, uh, Chelsea, you tweeted a few days, uh, a few weeks ago that it's difficult for a a right-footed player who has been playing on the right side of the defence to come in and play the uh, left centre-back role. I think that's a very uh, difficult position for any right-footed player. So, I think we are looking at someone who can naturally play that position. I think that's where the Nathan Ake rumours come from. But, uh, if I'm being honest, I don't, like, I don't, uh, I think Nathan Ake is a good player. I think Andres Christensen is a good player. But, uh, they just don't uh, give me the feeling that they're the kind of centre-backs that uh, Frank Lampard likes. Because, like, uh, uh, if a manager doesn't like a player, it doesn't mean that a player is a bad player or something. It just uh, means that the player might fancy a different uh, kind of player in that position. Like, he likes Kurt Zuma, who's physical, who defends well. He likes Fikai Tomori, who's both physical and good on the ball. Uh, And I think he'll really like like Antonio Rudiger when he comes back from injury. But, like, uh, Christensen and uh, Nathan Ake... Give me the vibes that they're more technical kind of players who are good on the ball, who can keep position. Uh, I think that was one of the main, like that was one of the main reasons why uh, Lampard told Luis as well in the addition to him not being able to follow instructions. He used to keep uh, shooting the ball up to find the wingers, and Lampard wanted to play out from the back, even though Luis was one of the main stalwarts under Maurizio Sarri. So I think that might come into picture. We have been linked to another centre-back. Um, uh, he's from Monaco. He's a young centre-back, Benoit Badiashil. I think he's a good centre-back. He's the right combination of physicality. He's good on the ball. He's left-footed. And he's young. I think a player like that, 18-year-old, uh, 19-year centre-back, he might be more uh, suited to a fourth, uh, fourth centre-back role. I think... Uh, and another thing that we have to consider is that we have four centre-backs and uh, most of them are at an age when they would want to be playing. So it would be difficult for uh, to accommodate all four of Tomori, Zuma, Rudiger, and Christensen. So uh, there's a situation that might arrive that one of them might want to leave. Like looking at the contracts, uh, Rudiger's contract expires in 2022, but there's rumors of him getting a new contract. There's Christensen whose contract ends in 2022. So I think uh, we might actually see one of them move and it looks mm. uh, more likely to me that it will be Christensen because uh, we have not uh, been hearing any links of him getting a new contract and he wanted to leave in the past but I think that's a different story now but uh, yeah I think because of this he might want to leave in the summer <clears throat> because I actually share that sentiment that I get, I get the feeling right now with the four centre-backs we have which are all very good in their own ways um, some better, some more, some less. But 
it's like kind of this point where, as you said, Rohan, left-footed centre-back is something that Lampard actually might be looking at, uh, or the club, or whomever. And taking whoever is the weak link out of that equation of the four players, out of the fray, and then getting like this world-class player in might be an option. I know we have Mark Goey, uh, Mark Goey, Goey, Goey. Uh, I, I actually think Ethan Ampadu could also do a very good job at centre-back. That's why I actually wouldn't put centre-back as one of the priorities. But maybe the club thinks otherwise, and or Lampard thinks otherwise, and wants to show up that defence. You know, we have had uh, our clean sheet problems. And would look to Liverpool, who had a dreadful defence as well, or sometimes a good one, but mostly also a bad one. And, you know, the acquisition of uh, Virgil van Dijk changed the whole thing entirely. You know, it is a big difference if you have someone of his quality in the side, especially at defence. Think of John Terry, you know. No matter how bad some of our defences were on paper over the years, when you had John Terry in that back four, things just weren't the same you know you could he could get the best out of players which i'd normally say are average you know i, I really liked alex but you know comparing him to ricardo cavallo or john terry himself or even gary cahill you know he wasn't that good but he was made to look really good when he was playing against uh against with frank lampard so you know maybe we be looking into that i couldn't actually name you an option which would be available and is as good as Virgil van Dijk now, but um, it might be a possibility. I think right wing, uh, left back and um, possibly striker, depending on who leaves in the summer, uh, because, you know, maybe Bishy Bashwai might become impatient. Um, those are the three positions there. We might need someone. I think that could also be just briefly the last area we'll look into uh striker i mean musa dembele Fulham, formerly if i'm not mistaken could he be yeah. an option i think musa dembele could be a good option for us uh we have been linked to musa dembele we have been linked to timo warner i think uh if you want to uh, if you want to address all the four positions that we are talking about i think striker would be the best uh, easiest position to address because there are so many options available you have timo warner you have uh, musa dembele you have uh, guys like victor osiman who are coming through then there are less uh, prominent names like duvan japata uh, you have andrea I think that would be the easiest position for us to address. And yeah, I like Musa Dembele. He's a good player. He's been playing at Lyon. Uh, and yeah, if you can get him, get him, it would be a good signing for us. But I think we should give more priority towards Timo Warner, who has been on absolutely be on fire this season. And he has, I think he's one of the few strikers in the world who has outperformed Tammy Abraham. And I think that tells the whole situation. His new contract has apparently a 30 million euro release clause. So he would be cheaper than Musa Dembele in my opinion. But the main thing is that his heart uh, seems to be set for Bayern Munich. So yeah, we have to get give him a better offer. And we also have to hope that Bayern move on to other targets. Especially, especially seeing that Lewandowski is doing so well. So they might move to some cheaper targets as well. 
So I think, yeah, we should uh, first uh, try to get team over and we should keep Musa Dembele as the second choice. Sorry, Ram, before uh, you voice your opinion on that, I just have to say I don't quite get why people are so enticed by Timo Werner. I have a lot of friends that are actually Leipzig fans uh, because here in Austria, of course, the German Bundesliga is very big. Um, and, you know, Timo Werner, he's having a fantastic season. I'm, I won't say the, the opposite. Um, but in the past, he's had major issues with uh, being clinical. He is what they call in Germany a system Stürmer. He fits into certain systems, but in others, he's just not the kind of fit. If you look at the forums of the German national team, they don't like seeing Werner go down the middle for the simple reason that it, with Jogi Löw's philosophy, it doesn't always really work. He works at Leipzig. Bayern fans, for example, in Germany are also very hesitant when thinking about him replacing Lewandowski because they don't know if he'd fit the system. Though you can't say what Bayern's uh, preferred system is going to be because they're going to get a new coach. So who knows? For example, if Mourinho were to come in, I don't think Timo Werner would fit. But, you know... I, I think people have to be careful when wishing for Timo Werner just because of stats doesn't mean he is a good striker for Chelsea, you know, depends on how we play. Just wanted to have that said. Sorry, Ram. No, for sure. I mean, I take your point on that. As far as Werner goes, I really haven't watched enough of him to know how good he is in various tactical systems. All I know is that I like what little I've seen of him and he can create his own shots and this season he's actually been quite clinical. I was looking at some striker data the other day. and Yeah, that's why I said this season I know he has been good but in yeah, the past yeah, yeah, yeah. it's been a major issue. Yeah, no, fair enough. I get that. If he's, it's, yeah, it's always best to look at this kind of stuff over a rolling period of time to see how good a striker really is. Like, for example, Tommy Abraham has been clinical all his career. Um, I'm probably less sure about Werner, but my my opinion on this whole thing is that you should you should let Tommy Abraham be like your first choice striker. Mm, the no, way no. the way Tottenham have done with Harry Kane. Because if, if you're going to tell me that Arsenal have Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Alexander Lacazette, it's because they can both play in the same side. And unless you're going to play someone who can function both as a striker and a winger, then it's not really the best idea to go and buy Moussa Dembele for like 60 million. Or, I mean, yeah, one or probably won't cost much money, but it's a high-profile signing. And it did, I know I've, I've been talking about this. I've been talking like this with regards to pretty much every transfer um, on this podcast today. But I think that squad management is a highly underrated part of the game. And it's, and it's more relevant now than ever because it's something that we never used to do before. And we kind of suffered because of it. And ultimately, that's why we are where we are now. But now that we have a bunch of young players who are growing and who are 
also like first choice now i'm not saying it's bad to have competition it's obviously good to have competition michi batshuai provides very good competition to tammy abraham because whenever he comes on he looks like a man possessed he's just trying to do whatever he can to score so you know we all we all want the julian the julian shiver to robert lewandowski in 2012 13 borussia dortmund we we what, what i think we want is that striker who can come off the bench and change things and start in the cup and do well and deputize if you know your striker is out for a bit but not necessarily like and you know like a luka jovic or a, maybe maybe sebastian aller if he's i mean i assume he's not going to be the same profile of signing as timo werner he's he's starting at west ham united he's probably not going to score a lot of goals if they keep playing the same way they have until now which is terrible so if you can get someone like that who is actually going to be a second choice who's going to keep pushing the first choice then that's good because if you have a potentially world class striker on your hands and who's showing glimpses of world class potential right now the same way harry kane did at tottenham you let him grow you buy people like robert um, robert solar was pretty bad i'm just i'm yeah. just talking <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically um julian shiver from that 2012-13 dortmund squad is my favorite example because he was the, he was the, he was a good he was a good second choice and he deputized for robert lewandowski pretty well and he fernando llorente has done a good job of deputizing for a couple of years for tottenham and basically whoever can do the job so it's that that that's what i would do if i were in charge of chelsea transfers i wouldn't really get a really big name in especially not mo sedembele because he's he's a rival striker you'd bring in to be first choice not really second choice and mm. yeah that's 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 my that's my take on the whole thing either, either you get a winger who can also play as a striker and keep him in as third choice and then you buy um a, you know proper second choice striker so yeah. that's that's yeah. it for- Definitely. I mean, people refer to Manchester City as also having two great strikers. I think they're actually one of the few teams that really do have two genuine strikers. That exactly. But then you look great, at the fact that Gabriel Jesus is really unhappy. Okay. Is he really unhappy, though? He, like, I'm constantly reading uh, articles, of course, you know, maybe agent or doesn't can't really say for sure but uh he's unhappy i'm qq qq is very very whiny um okay i i understand that but i mean he's been at man city since 2017 he's it it feels as if he does a really good job deputizing and they give him a lot of appearances off the bench and and you know they do give him starts as well but he's he's never really going to be first choice over aguero is he and that's no. that's that's kind of what we want with Tammy Abraham because he's i wouldn't say this just purely based off of nothing we we're all seeing what Tammy Abraham can do and we we probably have another high kin on our hands so why not just let him grow and have someone who's who can impact well from the bench uh, i think uh, i think one of the main factors that comes into Gabriel Jesus to stay at city is the fact that Aguero is getting older so he would move on sometime sooner rather than later so yeah, i think point. jesus is looking for a chance uh, so i think we should we can follow that model as well i think tammy abraham is a young striker why not 
get an older striker then who can who is actually pretty good uh edinson cavani has been linked to a move away his contract ex- expires in 2000 uh, uh, to 2020 i think he has been linked to a move away to la galaxy and i think uh, we are a little uh, we have a we are a bigger club than la galaxy so i think we are, we should try to get edinson cavani on board i still think he is one of the best strikers in europe even though he's getting a bit older and at his peak he was I think he was the second most complete striker after Robert Lewandowski. I think a, a striker like that who, who, who can also you know, who is experienced, who can also help any Abraham. I think uh, I think that kind of signing would be more beneficial to us. Good shout. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean his contract does expire. Whether Edison Cavani would want to play that backup role, I do not know. But he is not a bad shout. I think if there was ever going to be a time where he would come then it was 2:13 where thanks very much Tancredi Tancredi um, yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh, or maybe even now you never know uh depending on who comes or leaves I have to wait and see about that hmm yeah well i think i think we more or less addressed the main positions because i think midfield is core more or less uh position yep. where we all agree that we have. Yeah, that nothing's going to happen there so yeah we um, have we've, yeah. we've discussed a lot of positions haven't we left back um center. left back striker winger center back center back yeah and with with rohan here especially we've been able to go through decent number of options seeing as he's always tuned into the latest transfer rumors and watching players as and when he can i'm sure um so rohan regarding, yeah, yeah regarding center back i forgot to mention one thing i uh, think i agree with jimmy there that we should look at a more uh, world class option at center back uh, like if you want the world class app option with left footed i think elicio romagnoli was one of the best left center backs in the world i think uh, we were we made a bid for him in 2016 or 2017 if you guys remember ac milan came out with a tweet that they rejected the bid from bid from chelsea and they are open to doing future business with chelsea maybe the future business could occur in the summer so we should look to get elisa romagnoli maybe uh, there's one uh, jose maria jimenez as well from atletico but he gets injured a lot so i don't think we should go after jimenez but yeah if you can get romagnoli i think we should go for elisa romagnoli okay well a late a late surge there from rohan just as i was about to end the podcast <laughs> <laughs> right well Rohan, thank you for being here today, offering your opinions and throwing up some interesting names for us to discuss. It's been good. Uh, thank you, Ram. Thank you, Jimmy. It's been great to be on the podcast. Yep. And yeah, this is this is us signing off this international break, and we shall be back next week. Looking forward to our next game and being a lot more excited about football to come. So. That's it from me Ram and Jimmy Funnel as always this is Wayne Gotno podcast and see ya